This Best of the Torch Report was recorded January 12th, 2023. Please click like, subscribe, and enjoy. Good morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Thrupier, on another thankful, thought-provoking, thrilling Thursday for Torch Report 280, the perversion of language and science. Friends, today we will be connecting the dots between the science, the language, and the tyranny that is gripping the globe, lest we forget the ends justify the means. Now, I got to tell you, <laughs> I am really looking forward today's, to today's podcast because it's bringing together several things that have been floating around in the nebulous of my mind. And I really feel like it's, it's, a, it's a poignant and pertinent perspective that people need to hear to, to help make sense of all the insanity of the chaos of what's going on right now. There is some, there's some good stuff here. So let's just jump right into it. Now, as many of you know, the term, the ends justify the means, that, that comes from the progressive agenda. That's what they believe. Those progressive stewards of the greater good, those radical environmental wackos, those greedy globalist NGOs, and of course, the multinational corporations and the public-private partnerships and all of that. And you know, let's not forget the useful idiots upon whom these collective sociopaths prey upon. All of those people believe that the ends justify the means. There is no morality. There's only it doesn't matter how you get there. It's just that you get there. You know, they believe that peace, stability and saving the planet justify the utter disregard for basic human rights, the complete abandonment of decency and morality and ultimately the enslavement of humanity in an inescapable tech enabled transhumanist totalitarian hell, (laughs) the grand dystopian dream of the great global socialist surveillance state. They believe that the ends justify the means. And let's not forget uh, the global elite. They believe that having 8 billion meat-eating, mouth-breathing, useless consumers is a major, major issue. It's the defining issue of our time, overpopulation, because the science says that you know 8 billion is not a sustainable population. The science says that Two billion would be much, much better. That would be much more sustainable. We can't do it with eight billion. Two billion, we probably can't. We just got to figure out what to do with the other six billion people. I mean, fast forward to the 21st century, and we don't need the vast majority of humanity. Remember, that's what they said. That's what they said. They don't need the majority of the human population. Now, thread throughout the article here today. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, etc., you got to know all the goodies are in the actual Torch Report at the actual Torch Report, thetorchreport.com. And you can see in there, I put links throughout here. Uh, I'm just going to kind of gloss over the fact that I've I've built all of this up. I've substantiated, I've documented the sources and the references. So when you see a little line in there, if you don't know about the uh, globalists wanting to reduce the human population to about 2 billion, because that's sustainable, then go check out Torch Report 196. Starvation is their strategy. But I'm going to kind of gloss over that for the rest of the podcast in the interest of time. Let me ask you a question. Are we at the beginning of the end? Is that possible? Is, you know, is this the end times? I've had a lot of end times conversations lately. And though I I very much enjoy the speculation about the end times, it is my personal conviction that there's really no way of knowing for sure. And even if we are, 
know for sure that we are in the end times. So what? (laughs) So what? You know, we still got work to do. We've still got life to live and lives to save. We still have battles to fight. We've still got a war to win. The war for the hearts and minds of humanity. And like I've said, friends, if we fail to acknowledge these facts, the fact that we're at war, then our freedom is lost forever. Period. End of story. Humanity is is, uh, you know, is in a sad state. We're going to have to go through a dark time and all that kind of stuff. So all of the QAnon conspiracy crap, and, I, and I'm going to tie this together here. Uh, if you doubt the fact that we're at war, check out Torch Report 136, the start of, you know, civil war and defining what war is and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, th- this this end times prophecy and the QAnon conspiracy crap, I really feel like, is triggering the same emotions in people. And so I want to kind of put this together and and just look at it just a little bit here. Now, of course, the QAnon conspiracy crap pumps people full of hopium, elevating Donald J. Trump to a godlike super genius status uh, who's playing 4D and 5D chess. You see, we just can't understand Trump's plans because they're way too complex. And therefore... We just have to trust the plan. We have to wait and see because Trump never stops working for us. Trump loves us. Trump is our leader and he will never, ever lead us astray. That's the story. Some people believe it. Some people don't. But it's a familiar story, isn't it? You know, not to be blasphemous here, but Jesus is also a godlike super genius, isn't he? I mean, he outsmarted the devil. He speaks in parables. His ways are higher than our ways, uh, and, and thus we cannot comprehend his plans. But Jesus does have a plan for his people. He is the lion and the lamb, and in the end, he will win. And therefore, we just have to trust the plan. We have to wait and see, because Jesus never stops working for us. Jesus loves us. Jesus is our leader, and he will never, ever lead us astray. That's the story. Which story do you believe? Friends, please understand my heart here. I am not denying the very significant and obvious differences between Donald Trump and Jesus Christ. Okay, just understand that. Nor am I telling you what to believe or am I trying to argue scripture or epistemology. None of that. That's not what this is about. I'm simply trying to point out the similarities in the beliefs, the patterns. Okay. Once we acknowledge those similarities, we can see how otherwise intelligence and and discerning individuals might get caught up in believing things that are simply not true. How could anybody believe in all this conspiracy? Well, you know, hopium, (laughs) you know, it's there because it's uh, the key here, I guess, is really to realize that this is a predictable human disposition. We want to believe in something. We need to believe in something. And That fact is being heavily exploited by dark and nefarious forces. And given that we are all susceptible, friends, stay alert, stay wise, and let's move on. (laughs) Because, like I said, hopium abounds. There is a reason that Karl Marx believed religion was the opiate of the masses. And that's because it's true. You know, if as a Christian, you find the phrase opiate, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses, if you find that annoying, and disturbing, that's okay, you know, but try thinking about it in terms of all the other religions out there. Okay? All of those other religions are giving people false hope, aren't they? 
right? And, and even assuming that salvation through Jesus Christ is not false hope, we can still acknowledge that Marx was making a good point. May he burn in hell. Amen. Okay. Now then let's get logical for a minute here. Because I realize, you know, talking religion, I tell you, if you're pushing some buttons there, it makes people a little uncomfortable. But what we're really talking about here is belief systems. Which story do you believe? And religions are belief systems, are they not? We're just looking logically here, you know. Belief systems are built on language. And every belief system has its own language, right or wrong, true or false. Am I correct here? Are you with me here? The logic looks like this. Religion, you know, is based on belief systems, which is based on language. In other words, the root of religion, the root of our belief system is language. All right, you, you understand what I'm saying? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 1, King James version of the Bible. And that passage is both popular and very powerful. In the Greek, the word is logos, which is used actually 69 times throughout the New Testament. And on all 69 times throughout the New Testament, it translates variably to, you know, logos, the word translates to the news, the report, the saying, the statement, the utterance, the message, the story, and of course, the word. Logos is a very beautiful word, and it has a deep and rich meaning that is worth <laughs> heavy contemplation. Spend some time ruminating on the word, okay? But connecting the dots here, we can logically say that our belief systems are based on the news, the reports, the sayings, the statements, the utterances, the messages, the stories, the words that we receive. Because again, our beliefs are based on language. Think about it like this. If there had not been reports of the good news, uh, he's not here. He is risen. You know, he's risen indeed. Would you believe if, if there had not been those reports, would you believe in your salvation? Of course not. You would have never heard the story and the message would never have spread. Right now, think about it like this. If there had not been reports of people getting multiple jabs and following, falling over dead, would you ever doubt that the injections were safe? Of course not, because the story that you've heard, the message that you've got was that the vaccines were safe and effective. You see what I mean here? You know, the, the, the beliefs are based on the information, on the language that we receive. Language, friends, language is very, very, very powerful. It's powerful in big ways and small ways. It's, it's one of the most empowering things to become aware of the language rolling around in our own heads. For example, like I was saying yesterday, those who control the language control the minds of the masses. That's why psyops and propaganda and psychological warfare are so damn effective. That's why government censorship with weaponized AI and algorithmic social interventions to control emerging public perceptions, i.e. machines manipulating the language. The reason that's such a big deal, it's such an existential threat to humanity, is because it controls people's minds. It controls people's beliefs, the language. And... Like I was just alluding to, you know, if, if we can reflect and become aware of the language, the words rolling around in our head, we can we can uh, in some sense begin to inoculate ourselves. The greater awareness we have of the words in our own 
mind and our own belief system, the greater resistance we have to indoctrination uh, via propaganda and psyops. So anyway, that brings me to the title. <laughs> if you haven't uh, caught up on the weaponized AI and the algorithmic social interventions, by the way, check out Torch Report 225 and 226. I, I got them there for reference. So, but the, the title, The Perversion of Language and Science, you know, how does this relate to the power of language and personal beliefs? Ha! I'm glad you asked, friends. Let's go ahead and zoom out. Zoop! You know, it would not be an exaggeration to say that everything we believe is based on language. And add to this the idea that our beliefs drive our behaviors. And, and we, I mean, this is true, is it not? I mean, I want you to make sure you're following here very logically here. You know, I'm not, I'm just trying to lay it out sequentially, step by step. Our beliefs drive our behaviors, for better or worse, regardless of the truth. What we believe to be true is what we believe is actually true. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe it. Nobody believes something and thinks that I'm wrong. I'm just going to keep believing this even though I'm wrong. No, we believe it. And based on that belief, we behave accordingly. Okay? And with, you know, we, we believe this, that we, we believe the reports. We believe the stories. We believe the language. We believe the words that are rolling around in our head. The way that we make sense of things. That's what we believe. Now, if we take this line of thinking about beliefs and politics, I'm sorry, beliefs and behavior and apply it to politics, you know, think about politics as a power game. The goal of politics is control, nothing more, nothing less. Who has the most power and control? Who's the most politically powerful person in the whole world? Well, none other than those who control the language. And we could kind of neatly lump all of this control of language into controlling the flow of information, but it's always going to circle back to which stories are getting out because that's the story people are going to believe. You know, which, uh, which stories get out is going to determine what people believe, and ultimately that's going to manifest in the way that people behave and the way that society functions. And here's where the science comes in, the perversion of science at that. Uh, I want to kind of frame the science just a little bit here because the science, when I capitalize it there, I'm mocking Fauci, you know, and the science and, and all these global experts and all that kind of crap. You know, let's just state a few facts here before we, you know, dissect the science a little bit more. First fact, true or false, some people are better at reading and writing than other people. Obviously, these are all rhetorical questions, you know, true, you know, even people who are good at reading and writing have a limited vocabulary. I come across words every day that I've never seen before. Okay, that's cool. I like that. It tickles the brain. Now, true or false, it is very difficult to understand something if you don't know the words or what the words mean. You got to read something like, wait a second, I'm going to go look at the dictionary. I'm just an ignorant peasant. I'm learning as I go here. You know, okay, so if it's difficult to understand if we don't understand, if we don't know what the words mean, but it's actually impossible to understand something if you don't know the language, true or false. You try to read something in Chinese, <laughs> you know. Now, here's the thing. Each sector of science has a language all of its own. Think about that. Each sector of science has a language all of its own, and it's impossible to understand something if you don't know the language. Okay. If you don't understand the language, a i.e., if you don't understand the scientific jargon, then you really can't understand the science, right? And just to level the playing field here a bit, 
I'm not trying to exalt the scientists. You know, let's not forget that even the bona fide scientists, the experts, do not understand the language half the time, at least half the time. You know, if you might, you might recall the bogus AI generated fake scientific studies that have duped the actual scientists at more than 30 legitimate scientific conferences over the last 15 years. Okay. So computer generated scientific studies based on nothing more than AI algorithms that was duping the actual science. They couldn't know. They're just looking at it like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. You know, because they're so smart because they actually might recognize what most of those words mean, but try to thread it all together in a coherent fashion, it's above their pay grade, right? Because science is very specialized. But if you think about the implications of that, it's it's really uh, kind of scary. Now, if the scientists don't understand the science, then who does? You know, if the scientists can't tell what is a, you know, a fake scientific study versus a real scientific study, then how the hell are we peasants supposed to do it? You know, if, if the scientists don't understand the science, you know, certainly the peasants can't understand the science and then definitely not the politicians. No way the politicians can understand the science. And therein lies their insidious plot. It was the science that drove the pandemic, was it not? It was the language that was being used. It was the public messaging crisis, not the public health crisis. Uh, just like the honest doctors over at the Great Barrington Declaration had said, you know, hey, this is public messaging crisis. It's not about public health. Look at look at the science. No, it's not about that science. It's about the science. Totally different. Now, as we know at this point, you know, the pandemic kicked off the Great Reset. Hence the book COVID nineteen: The Great Reset, which is not a conspiracy, you know, and that established. The mood, the political environment for radical progressive policies to take root. Ideas like immunizing humanity against misinformation. We got to do it. You know, all of a sudden, that sounds plausible, even though it's absolutely insane. It's asinine. It's ludicrous. It's absurd. No way. But they have to keep people safe from misinformation. And thus, the precautionary principle became the focal point of all public policy with the merging. You know, and then came the merging, ultimately, the merging of public and planetary health. You know, the one agenda to rule them all. This precautionary principle became the central strategy to snare humanity in an intricate web of increasing restrictions. that was all being spun up under the guise, under the language of public health and safety. So here we are today. <laughs> you know, it's still dealing with ridiculous vax mandates, despite the fact that the actual science based on actual studies conducted by actual scientists has proven irrefutably and conclusively that the more clot shots a person receives, the more likely they are to be infected, to get hospitalized and to die. That's just the facts, Jack. That, but that's not the story that most people hear. So that's not what most people believe. The perversion of science, friends is being used as a weapon of control precisely because the vast majority of people cannot understand the language. Most people are never going to go look at the scientific studies, whatever they are, you know, whether it's true or not true or legit or whatnot, you know, but the regulations and the public policies, you know, all shrouded in legalese, it's operating on the same strategy. Everywhere we look, the language is being used as a weapon of control. And this is how the global elite can conceal their deceit right out in the open, right out in front of God and everybody, as the saying goes. Which reminds me, uh, just to close here, with an ancient story, a story about a tower. 
a tower that was so tall it could almost touch the sky, a tower that took great collaboration and collective effort to build, a tower that was made possible by a common language. Do you know the tower? It's the Tower of Babel. And as the story goes, God came down and saw the tower and noticed that the people were all speaking the same language. And so God reasoned, friends, this is right out of Genesis 11. God reasoned, if as one people speaking the same language, they can do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. If as one people speaking the same language, they could do this. They could build the Tower of Babel. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. You know how the rest of the story goes? God confused their language so they couldn't understand each other. And then he scattered them all over the face of the earth. Friends, it's an old, old story, but it bears lessons that are very relevant to this very day. The globalists are controlling the narrative. They control the language. They are spreading that language all around the globe. The same language is found in public policies from the global to the local level. The same language is used in the media, in entertainment, and even in the science. Speaking the same language means that nothing is impossible for them to do. It's how you build teamwork and collaboration, friends. And speaking the same language is how they're doing what shouldn't be done. Patriots take note. We need to up our game and language is the key. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart. Click the heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Don't forget, you can support this publication for as little as $7 a month by joining the Patriot Club. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking, thankful Thursday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 